Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to History Becomes Her. I'm your host, Rachel Thompson, senior reporter at Mashable. Sophie Hagen is a Danish comedian who co-created the Guilty Feminist podcast with Deborah Francis White. Hagen is non-binary and uses the pronouns she, they, he. Hagen is a fat acceptance campaigner and plus-size fashion designer who speaks candidly about our culture's ingrained anti-fat bias and the subtle and overt ways society continues to marginalise and discriminate against fat people. In her book, Happy Fat, Hagen writes about the reality of being fat in a world that wants you to take up less space. She talks about being spat on and having someone tell her, if you weren't so fat, I'd rape you. Hagen wants to reclaim the word fat and live in a world built on self-acceptance and loving your body. My name is Sophie Hagen. I am a Danish uh, non-binary person. I am a comedian, stand-up comedian, author, uh, activist, and then it gets inc- I get increasingly less and less secure in my <laughs> titles. Uh, technically, a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, podcaster um well thank you so much for joining us my question for you is who inspires you and is there a particular activist from history or present day who has paved the way for you so when i was i think five i was watching fresh prince of bel-air amazing which i loved and it was a show that taught me english because there was no subtitles and i was five (laughs) but i just knew people were laughing so i was like i need to figure out why they're laughing because i need to be in on this and they were mentioning the Black Panthers, and I asked my mom what it was. She didn't know. She, has, she just had no idea. But she got me books from the library, and she told me about the Black Civil Rights Movement, and she told me about Rosa Parks. And when I heard about Rosa Parks, my mind exploded. And I so that was the movement, and I think specifically Rosa Parks, that because it was so easy for me to understand as a child, you know, not knowing anything really about politics or privilege or race uh, or anything like that. But what I did know was that there was a woman, and she just wanted to sit there, and then she didn't get up, and that I think that shaped like everything for me. You know, it was took mm. a while before I started actually understanding, you know, everything that uh, came before that and what what that actually meant. But I remember that, like, lighting this fire of, this is incredible. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next activism-related question, which you describe yourself as a fat activist, which means, to borrow your words, actively trying to change the world in order to make it less fatphobic. Was there a particular moment in your life where you, you know, sat up and thought, 
hey, I, I need to do something about this? Well, it's sort of two different questions or two different answers. Uh, because there's me in the activism role of trying to change something. And then there's the cause of of fat liberation. And they kind of came at two different points. As I said, with, you know, my being a child, I was, uh, I grew up in a kind of strange home. My mom was a single mother and with two kids. And, you know, she left school when she was 14, worked in a factory ever since. My mom never valued academia or, uh, you know, school and knowledge or she didn't care about, she didn't know or care about really politics or history or anything like that. But what she cared about was empathy mm-hmm. and understanding people and intelligence, but not academia. So very different things. Uh, she still doesn't care. Like I would come home with the good grades and <laughs> I got the, <laughs> like, the, cool. the best grades. She was just like, so, you know, she could not wow. care less. But what she did care about was, you know, me telling a story about someone I had met and we'd had a really good chat and we'd figured something out. Or she loved it when I had to come home and go, you have to call the principal because so I staged a sit-in protest and he's angry and she I'd be seven she'd be like okay and she loved that because she loved going into the school being like sorry why can't my daughter protest why can't she protest what's but is she not right can you tell her logically that she's not right and they're like yeah but she's seven and I'm a teacher that she was like that's not an excuse you're two people. She could be right, even though she's seven. So my mom loved that. <laughs> so she and I said to her recently, I said, "I'm, I'm just. I was like a really difficult. I'm, I'm a difficult person, and I was a difficult child. Like I would always try and uh, upset the, not upset the teachers, but upset the, the way it was run. I would always ask mm. questions and protest, and in every different way, try to get teachers fired if they were, uh, just." There were some teachers who were just drunk all the time, or Whoa. I mean, there were there went to some really troublesome schools, and I would always try and <laughs> fix it and like start petitions and stuff. And I said to my mom, "Oh my God, I'm so lucky that you were always on my side because now I've spoken to other people whose parents will automatically take the teacher's side." And my mom said, "Okay, yeah, of course. I would never, um, I would never want to teach you to respect authority." <laughs> And that's where it stems from. So that has been there for as long as I can remember. Uh, the fat activism, I think for a lot of people, body positivity is a gateway to fat activism. Some people never make it that far. But, you know, you should, you'll learn, you know, you can love your body and you can uh, like the way you look and you don't have to lose weight. And then eventually you start to learn about how it's actually a sociopolitical uh, pro- problem. But for me, that's where it started. I think because I've been raised to be so anti-authority and anti the system. I was in the, I just started doing comedy, I was 21. I was constantly dieting. I just had accepted that my body was wrong and I had to lose weight to be beautiful and I was probably unhealthy and all of these things. And then I met an activist, uh, a body activist. I started uh, studying Russian at Copenhagen University and it was my, the, the woman sitting next to me at school, she had like a mullet and like <laughs> hair under her arms. And I was just like, oh my God, you're so cool. <laughs> so she just, instead of learning Russian, she just told me everything. She was just like, yeah, you can be fat. I was like, what? You can be fat? She was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's capitalism that has taught us so they can make money. And I was just like, 
hold on. <laughs> and it was like these two bits of my life, like my entire life dieting and knowing I was wrong and I should lose weight, but also have, you know, having fought against the system and hadn't respected authority and never wanted to, you know, do anything that people told me to do. And then realizing that was the same thing that I had been following an authority that, and someone who was wrong. So I had to do what I'd always done, which was to go, oh, everything makes sense now. My body's perfect. They're the mistake. This is my life now. I <laughs> is love that, that too long of an answer? Uh, no, it's perfect. <laughs> and actually, when you were talking about yourself as a child, I related so hard yeah? because I was such a troublemaker. And I said to my parents recently, I was like, isn't it so interesting that now all of the things I got into trouble for with you guys when I was a child, you now find hilarious and and it, like very, mm. you know, oh, my daughter's so blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the times you told me off. <laughs> but that's, I was I was saying to my mom quite, I mean, I think my mom has a different memory of it all. So I said to her, you know, I cheated in many exams. <laughs> she was like, no. And I was like, don't pretend that you're now all uh, in shock over that. Because back, like, this is what you've taught me, is that they have given me an unreasonable task, like 13 exams in 12 days. That's just not going to happen. No. So... And do you have any idea how intelligent you have to be to be able to cheat in an exam? <laughs> They've taken every precaution for you to not do that. And I still managed to do it. Truly, that is the real test, yeah. actually. Like, that's probably, that, that skill has gotten me further in life. I than, would I'd than say that's the better skill. Being able to speak Spanish. <laughs> um, and to circle back to the to body positivity, and you make a distinction between body positivity and fat activism. And I wanted to ask you why that difference is important. Mm. And do you think that the two movements are often conflated? Mm. So what's very important for everyone, I wish everyone knew this, is that fat liber the, the fat liberation movement started in around 1969, 1970, around the time when all the social liberation movements started. And it was started by primarily a group of uh, Jewish, queer, fat women and women of color, which is, just to take a little sidestep, is the exact group of people who wouldn't be in a Duff commercial, right? right? Uh, and also none of these people are seen in the body positivity movement because the body positivity movement is often size 10 to 12, white, cis, uh, beauty privileged, uh, feminine women. Mm. Um, and it's all about, you know, happiness and love your body and, um, you know, love your curves. And it's about getting uh, runway models that are maybe a size six instead of a size zero. And it's all like, that all sounds positive and in some ways it is, but what it started as, uh, so people think that body positivity started and now we have the fat liberation, but no, fat liberation came first and they had a manifesto, which I wish I could remember by heart, but it's based, the, the concept of that is, uh, stop oppressing us. To, we will not, uh, be oppressed by the, uh, a toxic diet culture. Uh, they, they had a name that I've now forgotten for shrink, shrinking industry or something like mm. that about basically how there are industries and they're making money off of us losing weight. And that mm. is why they want us to hate our bodies is because they want to make money off of us. So the manifesto and what they fought for was to change the system. So had a system, uh, you know, for, to not have medical bias against fat people, to not have laws that... Uh, where it's allowed to discriminate against fat people, which it still is in most countries and states in, in the US. Uh, you know, this, well, those are statistics about how fat people get fired, uh, mm. get hired less, get paid less. Uh, this, uh, how medical professionals will be really horrible to fat people and, uh, 
just say lose weight regardless of what mm-hmm. kind of symptom you come with. So all, that was their cause. None of them cared if you loved yourself. It wasn't about loving yourself and loving your body. And I think I like to see like if society is here and I'm a person, this this side is body positivity, this side is fat liberation. Mm-hmm. Fat liberation is has nothing to do with you as a person. It's to do with them. The companies, the the slim world, slimming world, and uh, slim fast, and the the, the uh, diet clubs and the pills and all of that. It's the industry. It's the it's capitalism. And then this body positivity is just you and your mirror and loving yourself. Mm. So in in the way they work against each other is that body positivity does not hold anyone accountable. So body positivity is like. A nice band-aid you know you kind of mm-hmm. go yeah yeah it's nicer if we love ourselves and you know to be fair if we love ourselves we're probably more equipped to fighting the battle because we're not battling ourselves but that should be the underlying statement is mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah let's learn to love ourselves but then we fight you know or we right. can fight at the same time or we remember that it's a movement that stemmed from people fighting this fight who are now forgotten mm-hmm. in a lot of ways so ideally we can have a good mixture of both but it's too easy to just make it about ourselves again yeah. you know they did this to you but now you have to fix it right and then but then what you know as we, we could be sitting here we could be talking about loving our bodies and we could be we spend hours and hours and so much money and time and energy whilst they're teaching every single child every single child is right now learning that they are wrong and their bodies are bad if they're fat and they should never be fat fat's the worst thing you can be it's, it's, it's just not going to work out. When you were speaking, actually, I just remembered something from your book that you said that um, that it's not illegal in the UK or and in I can't remember how many states in the US, but it's not illegal to to discriminate against mm. um, a fat person yeah. based on their their body. Yeah, that is wild. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just, that's what you forget. You know, like, yeah, people hate themselves. Yeah, they do. But also, the society hates us. Like, and that and that affects our lives. Yeah, you know, that that kills people. And law just enables it, like mm. in a way. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, my next question, which I feel like you've kind of already answered, but I'm just going <laughs> to ask it anyway. Um, can you tell me a bit about the history of the fat activism movement? My favorite moment from fat liberation history is, um, and you should, if you want to, uh, Charlotte Cooper wrote a book about the history of fat activism, and it's incredible. Uh, there was a fat in staged, I think it's either 69 or 72, I think, in the Central Park in New York, where 500 fat people gathered and they ate ice cream and they burned diet books. And they that. had posters of uh, whoever was like the most voluptuous, uh, larger woman they could find, you know, to just. And they, their um, slogan was uh, a diet is a cure that doesn't work for a disease that doesn't exist. Wow. And that says everything. And that's, I think, the most frustrating thing about doing this work is that this was this was in 1970. This is so many years ago. And still fighting the same it's, fight. We're not even, you know, there's so few people who even know it's a thing. You know, it's not even an issue that, you know, often when you have these lists of mm. uh, no no racism no sexism no homophobia no transphobia there's it's still one of the ones left out alongside you know ableism and ageism and there's loads of others that are also forgotten mm. but it's one of the you know even within lefty circles and even within circles of people who seem to be on the right side of history fighting the fight there's still so many people where they go oh yeah but not fat people right and you're like please <laughs> like let's we, we need to uh 
one of the things that I think is incredibly important, which also answers the question about the history, is we need to acknowledge uh, that uh, fat phobia isn't a thing on its own. Fat phobia stems from racism. Uh, we wouldn't have had phobia if we didn't have racism. Uh, it stems from slavery. It stems from uh, uh, fascism. You know, the, the idea that we all have to be, first of all, the idea that fat people are unhealthy and the idea that we all have to be healthy to be what? You know, it's like you have to be healthy. It's unhealthy. You can't promote it because it's unhealthy. You can't just fight for one of the, because it's all interconnected. You know, the, mm. the people who started the movement were queer women, you know, were Jewish women, were fat women. You You can't. You can't dissect it and just choose one cause. It has to be intersectional. We have to all, and that's the same with me as a as a as a white activist. I have to mm. remember that, you know, that if uh, that I have a, I have white privilege within the fat activism movement as well, yeah. which I just have to try and use for the better. Of course. So circling back to the the thing that you mentioned about this, the word healthy, and yeah. I, I was listening to, I think it was a, a Radio 4 segment that you did. Um, yeah. You talked about this, like this obsession, this fixation on the word health and healthy and how that's often cited back to you. And I, I wanted to ask you a bit more about that. Just, yeah. it's really strange. And that's another place where I sort of, I fail at often as an activist when it comes to health because it just makes me angry. And if I was a much better activist, I could just answer in a very cool and calm way. <laughs> that we're not going to censor anyone's uh, like anger. This is you know a safe space for angry people. <laughs> no, I don't think it convinces people uh, if I just start screaming. Uh, <laughs> the health, the the most important thing I think, the health question in terms of fat is so vast, it is so huge, but I think the most important thing is that no one's mentioned health. The fat liberation movement, all, like neither the fat liberation movement nor the body positivity movement have ever mentioned health. All we've ever said was we want respect, we want to be treated better, we want to not be discriminated against, we want to, no one's ever said, because we are healthy. We've just said stop discriminating, you know, me mm -hmm. being spat on when I walk down the street has nothing to do with I'm healthy or not. Yeah. You know, I could come from the gym and be eating a salad and they'd still hate me because it has nothing to do with health. And that is what's so strange. I could have written an article. I could have talked about an experience where I was discriminated against or something where it has nothing to do with, and people will still, the first question will be, but it's unhealthy. As if that has anything to do with anything, mm. right? Because if there are people out there who are unhealthy, some by choice, a lot of people, the majority of people, not by choice because they're from a... Uh, socioeconomical background where they just don't have the time, the money, the, you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, it, um, it's just as cheap to buy an apple as it is to buy a cheeseburger. <laughs> like, my mother was, we were, grew up incredibly poor. She was incredibly poor. She worked in a factory for so many hours. She had two more or less mentally ill children. And she just did not have the time, the money, the mental health mm. to, she didn't even know. Like when we, when she was told when I was eight years old that I had to diet, I had to lose weight because I was dangerously obese. I was not. I was a yeah. child. She just heard salad and she didn't know, you know, this was also before the internet, before, you know, we lived in a tiny, tiny, small village where no one knew anything. And like gravy was what we had to drink, you know, like it was just what, yeah. you know. Uh, so she got like a, a, a head of lettuce. And she chopped that up. She thought that was salad. You know, she didn't know about nutrition. She didn't know yeah. anything about that. So that was, you know, so we were starving because that's what she thought it was. And people forget because, you know, we live in a big city. We have the internet. We're young. And a lot of people who say these things are very privileged themselves. Mm. But there are a lot of groups of people where 
it's not an option because you have two jobs and then you have five minutes to get dinner for the kids and they're screaming and you're tired and you're sad and you don't have the money and you have to and then on top of all of that which is the socioeconomic stuff there are people with disabilities people just with chronic illnesses mm -hmm. and what are you saying if you're saying well you should be healthy before you deserve this respect you should be healthy before you deserve rights or you deserve not to be discriminated against what, what are you that? saying we should right like how 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 do we put this morality onto health this purity this also and then it's mental health mm. never talk about that we never talk about um it's like one of the an eating disorder that most people have is autorexia, obsession with health, obsession with uh, exercise, obsession with eating healthy food. Mm. People who are obsessed with um, raw, vegan uh, food, clean, pure eating, whatever it's called now. Mm. That's an easy, like, there's a, of course there are people who can do it well, but most people have issues with food. Most people have some variation of an eating disorder. Most mm. people are stressed. When you talk about health, people think, you know, when people talk about my health, they think they're talking about me eating a pizza yesterday. Yeah, but I also slept eight hours. I drink maybe twice a month. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs, mainly because people don't want to give them to me, which is annoying. <laughs> I, you know, I move a, a lot for work. You know, I don't exercise. I don't have time, but I move mm. a lot. You know, I, I have seen a psychologist for 10 years. My mental health is in shape. <laughs> Good for you. You know, I have, you know, I'm, I cut out toxic relationships from my life. I'm not stressed because I know how to mm. deal with my stress. All of this is because I'm massively privileged in a lot of ways. But apart from the fact that sometimes I eat a pizza, I'm quite healthy. But they don't see that. All they see is fat because it's not about health. It's about fat. It's about you hate my body. Mm. You don't hate my health because there's a thin person who will eat nothing but burgers and Coke and won't exercise and do a lot of drugs and drink all the time and but drunk driving and there's a hardcore extreme fitness maybe mm. you know there are lots of thin people who are where it's literally unhealthy they have to starve themselves to see the veins and the muscles that's they don't get the same right it's because it's not about health it's about fat yeah exactly you're very open about the abuse that you receive in public spaces for simply being fat and i wondered could you share and if you're comfortable with this there's no pressure obviously but yeah would you be able to share some of the things that people say to you I think the <clears throat> what I get the most, the health thing I get a lot, and that includes people saying, uh, you're going to die soon uh, or kill yourself. <laughs> nice <Wow>. variations, <laughs> which is like, I mean, I don't have to kill myself. Apparently, I'm going to die <laughs> make, soon. Make a choice. Of diabetes yeah. and heart disease and all of those things. Um, there's a lot of uh, animals, which is quite cute. Uh, uh, whale and pig and cow and hippo and really cute animals really uh, yeah right <laughs> um then there's a lot of people trying to educate me which is pathetic it's a pathetic and tiresome display of there's a there's an idea that people can disagree with what i'm saying about fatness mm. which is not possible you can uh you can just not have understood it yet so people go you know actually it is unhealthy i'm like Bitch, please. <laughs> I don't know if I can swear. You can absolutely <laughs> swear to your heart's content. You're like, people are like, oh, I disagree. Like, no, you don't disagree. You just haven't understood it yet. So maybe you can educate yourself or read some books about this and then come back and then we can have a chat about this. But you strange 17-year-old kid from wherever you are, 
DMing me going, you will get heart disease because you have fat. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> so there's a lot of that. A lot of uh, often men who think they're cleverer. Oh, I get a lot from um, fitness freaks. So I'll get like a DM or someone like hating on me. And then I click their profile and it's like fitness 24-7. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Right. You base your entire personality on looking as if you're healthy so now you want to take me down because you're not happy even though you go to the gym seven times a week and i'm happy even though i eat pizza and you're hungry right now so i get it i get that you're really <laughs> depressed totally get it uh yes there's a lot of that um and that's all online and then of course there's a lot of street abuse of people shouting uh you know if you sit in any seat that isn't big enough which is any public transportation seat or even in an in an uber in a cab if they don't if the a seatbelt doesn't fit all the way in, you know, you get the, oh, the, Jesus, oh, you know, oh if God. you're on a plane, people saying, can I have another seat? I need more space. Like, I, I want another seat, you know, not completely disregarding. And if they can't mm. get that, they just jam their elbow their into elbow. you just to, like, prove that you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't take up space, you know. You walk down a plane and people go like, oh, because oh, they're hoping you're not sitting next to them. So that's like a constant you know, always having a seat next to you on the tube because people would rather stand than actually touch you physically. They can't even touch you. So that's like a daily physical thing. And then there's the the ones that isn't directed at me, but you just see, you know, people just casually talking about their diets. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And it sounds so, because everyone does, you know, people, everyone diets, everyone just goes, oh, what diet are you on this week? And, but for that, that is a direct message. Like, oh, I'm currently trying to look less like you because I think I don't want to look like that. 
you know, billboards wow. for diet things and uh, sitcoms with fat jokes in it, where like comedians, I'm a comedian myself, so I see a lot of comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. I had to follow a comedian at a gig the other week, a thin woman who did a parody of a fat person by going, rum, 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 rum. <laughs> I was like, I was like, how am I gonna? <laughs> That's wow. me. And I have to go up now and be like professional and not just shout. <laughs> like, how am I meant to not shout when you've done that? I would pay to see you shout. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I then went up and then I was like, oh, yeah, it's me. Rup, 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 and everyone with tens. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, oh, we just laughed at, <laughs> I just laughed at her. And now she's here. And this is, you know, we didn't think she was here. That's the thing. You can all laugh yeah. until you know that we have a voice. We have autonomy. We're like, what, we, what was that? Yeah. Like, oh, she speaks. Yeah, oh, sh- yeah, oh, shit. She's not agreeing with this. Yeah. You know, because what I should have done as a comedian is, of course, to go, yeah, yeah, I'm so fat that, blah, 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 and then be in on the joke. Yeah. They don't expect you to go, fuck you. And like, okay. Well, yeah, because it's like Hannah Gadsby, for instance. Mm-hmm. She's just like, I'm so tired of yeah. like being the joke, right? Of this self deprecating comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that your response was great <laughs> to that. And yeah, you talk often about existing in a world that doesn't accommodate fat bodies, like airplane seats, theater seats. And there's been a lot of conversation this this past year about the fact that the world around us has not been built for or built with women in mind. Mm. And do you think that we should start to talk about the way that design doesn't account for fat bodies? Definitely. And there's a big need to also talk about ableism and accessibility in terms of people with disabilities. And from what I understand, and I'm not disabled, so I can't really speak on it with much knowledge, but I know that there is a lot of debate between disability activists and uh, fat activists, because when you're at a certain size, Mm. uh, you can no longer use stairs, you can no longer fit in, in seats and stuff. And it's sort of the same with people in wheelchairs. So there is an overlap uh, without wanting to be in any way uh, wrong or offensive about any of this. So I will mm. say with some hesitation, but um, there's still a, a debate about how, when that becomes the same thing and all of that. Mm. Uh, I mean, this, uh, disability access is... I didn't know how bad it was until I went on UK tours and I started questioning the venues if they had uh, wheelchair accessibility and how many just said no. You're like wow really it's that bad and that's my you know i'm privileged i didn't know that Mm. i didn't need to know that you go oh my god so with accessibility in general it is very important that we need i mean i say that i was like i lost my hope as i was saying i was like yeah it's important that we do (laughs) because in my head i was like yes if that's gonna happen (laughs) it doesn't have to take much to be more fat accepting it's just a matter of you know when you buy chairs there's no real reason why it has to have armrests you know, why not have just half and half or you just be mindful of it. You know, if you invite your fat friends out to dinner and I hope you have fat friends, otherwise take a good look at yourself. Uh, just not me. I'm, I'm full. I have enough friends. Uh, <laughs> please don't make me your friend. But you know, get a, if, you, if you take out your, your, your fat friend, just look at the seats online first. See if they, mm. if it's boots that are too tight or if it's, there's nothing worse than coming in and then going, oh, I can't sit down here can we move to another table? Having to do that mm. emotional labor, having to have people be super tense about it, like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so you know, putting all your their mm. in, sad energy onto you and you're just like, I just want to sit down and eat. Like, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It is important and it's annoying. And I found myself having to go, well, of course I can't demand 
that they make bigger flight seats. Of course I can't demand that. And I found myself saying, no, no, but what if we can just eat? In? All I really want, which I think is realistic, is making an option on the website that you can buy two seats for one person. Yeah. That's, that is such a, they will lose no money off of that. That is me taking the, the capitalist evil core into consideration. <laughs> like I'm even offering to pay more just because I'm fat with like fat taxes and that shouldn't be a thing. But I'm even offering that. It's like, why can't we just... But even that, you have to call them and they don't know what they're talking about and then they get really awkward. And sometimes if you say, I can't fit into one seat because I'm fat, they, there'll be some woman starting who's crying because <laughs> it feels bad for you. And you're just like, just make a button on your website. And yeah, you. I wanted to ask you about something that um, that I, I think that it was in the Radio 4 thing that I was listening to. And you talked uh, about something called body currency. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you what this means. And yeah. Yeah, just. Can you tell me about it? I think I've talked so much now about body currency that I've probably mistold it enough that it's almost my own new theory now. <laughs> it's coined by Jess Baker, who's uh, on social media. She's called Milton Baker. She's incredible. She's an American fat activist. Uh, and in her book, Things You Don't Tell Fat Girls, uh, she described it as <laughs> or something similar to this. Because we're so aware of all the time, and the money and energy that we put into losing weight. We have like an idea of how much we've suffered or lost or uh, invested in this. Mm. So if you go to the gym once a day, your entire life, if you feel hungry at some point during the day, your entire life, you start to feel like you've almost like saved up or like you're owed something. And you do all of this in order to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. You say thin, but it's the same thing. You want to love your body. You want to be hot. You want to be happy. You don't want to be thin. You want to be those things. And you think that's the same thing because that's what society tells you. And also that is how you are treated. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. And the way I like to say it, it's like it's like you've saved, saved up to buy a boat. You've worked every single day to buy this boat. And you've worked so hard. And you so you see the boat. You see all this hard-earned money that you've earned by working so hard. And then you see someone else is getting a free boat because I'm happy I, I'm hot. I believe I'm hot. And I'm also fat and not hungry and I don't go to the gym. So it's the fury. It's like a mm -hmm. deep-seated fury of you got something for free that I have had to work for. And it's that. It's like, oh, everything you worked for, I just got just by deciding yeah. that I'm hot. Oh, oh, there you go. I'm happy now. <laughs> and I'm also hot because that's what I see and beauty is subjective. <laughs> and that's the fury. It's the, mm. no, but I've put so much time and money and effort and I have, I've devoted, that's why the gym freaks are the ones that are the most furious with me because they've put so much work into it. They've de developed their entire personality around, I will be thin and I will be healthy and I am, I am owed something. And then I'm just like coming in in front of them going, yeah, I'll have one too, but for me it's free. So your book is about loving your body in a world that tells you that you should hate your body and that shouldn't be radical but because of the prevalence of fat phobia in our culture it is um and you write in your book that it, it took a lot of work to get to that place and could you tell us a little bit about how you how you got to that that place of self-acceptance it's a tricky one because i don't think my journey <laughs> i know i i know i hate, I I hate almost it. Said there's just no other way there's no other <laughs> way journey i think my journey is super similar to a lot of people because i was raised because there's not a lot of kids who are raised to want to fight the system or and question the system, 
most kids are, especially in the UK, kids are put in uniforms and are told to call their teachers Mr. and Mrs., which is weird. Sick. It's sick. I'm just going to say it. It's sick. I don't understand it. It's <laughs> horrifying that all the kids have to wear the same clothes. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. No, I didn't enjoy thing. it either. Good. When I got to sick form when I was 16, I remember I had an English teacher who was like, hi, I'm Trish. And I was like, uh, what is this? Is this, can I go to this school? (laughs) So especially in this country, people are taught more than in Denmark. People are also taught in Denmark, but more here to respect authority and, you know, to get in line. And, you know, we are brought up to be workers and to uh, accept what we're told and not ask any questions. So I think... It's not as easy as it was for me, for a lot of people, because I just had to be told capitalism and be explained what capitalism mm-hmm. is, what feminism is, what the patriarchy is. And I'd be like, I could put together the puzzle in my head and went, oh, okay. And then I just instantly stopped believing that what they were saying was true. And then the work started, right? You know, you mm-hmm. don't just like from one day to the other, love your body. But I did from one day to the other, realize that it was all a lie. So you still have the voices in your head saying, oh, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're too fat, you're disgusting, you don't deserve love. But you know at the same time that this is all wrong mm-hmm. and it's fake and a lie. And then you just have to take those thoughts and well, take them one at a time. Mm-hmm. Am I ugly? Is there an objective answer to that? Is anyone objectively ugly or objectively beautiful? No, that's not a thing. No. Uh, it does, it's all subjective. Who, who I think is beautiful, someone else won't think is beautiful. And then there's, of course, also the... Um, societal standard of beauty which mm. is something you can measure you know you do there is a way that society judges if you're beautiful or not so it's not all mm. subjective there are people who are uh, conventionally attractive right. and you can be conventionally unattractive but that doesn't mean you're not to a lot of people it's hard it's really it's not easy the advice that people always love to give and that i've given because it's the easiest one to give is you know look yourself in the mirror and say you're beautiful Oh, you look in the mirror, I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am... Mm. And it does trick your brain a bit, it does work a bit. But what's most important, I think, which is the hard thing, is to distance yourself from and cut yourself off from any kind of toxicity when it comes to bodies. And uh, that can mean cutting out friends. That can mean not speaking to certain people of your family. That can mean starting to set really hardcore boundaries going, you do not have that. You do not talk about that around me. You do not speak about my body that way. I will not indulge you in your diet talk. I will not want you to speak negatively around me. People with kids, it's very important you go, don't say that about your body in front of my child. Uh, it means maybe you have to stop watching that favorite TV show of yours until you are sure you can watch it without letting it affect you. Mm. Maybe start watching TV shows with fat people in them. <laughs> the the one there is. Yeah. Uh, you can just read, read and watch Dietland over and over again. Mm. <laughs> now thrill. Mm. Uh, it's about... Going through your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I guess, it's feeds. Uh, it's not, I guess. It's a definite. Yeah. <laughs> we opt in hard but to I TikTok. But I wouldn't know how you... <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok, so I don't actually know how you would cut anyone out of your feed. But if yeah, you can, do point. it. Figure out how to do it and then do it. Uh, but it means like going through your uh, social media feed and making sure that you... Any profile that makes you feel bad about yourself... Unfollow, unfollow, hide, mute. Whatever mm. you need to do, share it to a friend from school. You feel bad about unfriending them. Hide their posts just so you don't. S- 
My feed, all my social media feeds are full of fat people, happy fat people. There's no diet talk. There's no one talking negatively about fat people. There are no, mm. all those like joke meme sites you can follow where sometimes there'll be a picture of a fat lady in a gym and it'll say something horrible. No, never. Report, unfollow. Will yeah. not have it in my feed. Sometimes I'll be very surprised at an old school friend suddenly dieting and has put like a before and after photo unfollowed yeah. because that creeps in and you scroll you're mindlessly scrolling it creeps in and most people still haven't seen fat naked bodies mm. you know in a way that isn't you know headless on the news like obesity epidemic yeah. but just like there's a photographer called substantia jones who's incredible and she has she takes photos of naked fat people put them as your screensaver buy her art buy her calendar put them on your posts on your walls mm. make sure you see consenting naked fat people yeah and be happy love themselves be sexy be and the more you see that the more you unlearn your internalized fat phobia and that's the answer that hurts a bit you know it'd be mm. nice to be like oh the answer is you know love yourself hug your body love your calves buy this lotion but the actual the the answer hurts a tiny bit because we have to really acknowledge our privilege and find out that oh i'm part of the problem as well because we all are and that's how we need to that's the only way we can get over it is by being, when we are called out, not be like, whoa, I'm not, I would never. Just be like, oh, thank you. I'll do better. That's all we can do. Yeah. Try and do better. Kind of acknowledge and embrace the uncomfortable truth. Yeah. And yeah. not unleash. The first thing we want to do is go, no, I would never. I'm not. I want, I have a friend who's all of that. <laughs> That's just your instinct, your first stupid instinct. But then you have to just, right? This is not about me. I did a bad thing. Let's figure out. It's, don't need, no one wins by you feeling guilty about anything. You just go. Thank you very much for telling me. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a <laughs> that's a really good a good piece of advice, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you very much. Thank and you I'm for sorry. telling me. Thank you. I'll look into it. Thank you so much. I had a lot of thin people who, for a while, would send me fat phobic memes or articles, going, "Oh my God, have you seen this?" Mm. Like, fuck you. Yeah, I've seen it. I've blocked this from my life. What you could do, though, is to talk to the person who shared that. Use your privilege as a thin person to... Don't amplify it any further. Don't, don't, don't send it to me. I know it's out there, you know. Yeah. Or them going, how can I be... There's articles. There's things you can do. Like a lot of fat people and marginalized people are spending a lot of energy and time to do a lot of free labor for a lot of people to make sure that, that there's available resources out there for people to mm. to figure out, you know. And I'm like, you know... <laughs> like just read my book <laughs> exactly and it's a great book thank you <laughs> um well yeah those are all my questions so thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me it's been an absolute delight i've loved it if you liked this episode of history becomes her please subscribe rate and review find us on twitter at hbhpod and you can find me on twitter at rvt9 History Becomes Her is a mashable podcast created by Rachel Thompson and Maria Demenzi. Our artwork is by Vicky Lita. Our music was produced by Christiane Straker. Special thanks to Shannon Canellan and Nikolai Nikolov. And why not check out our sister podcast, Fiction Predictions? Thank you so much for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.